Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The countdown is on for the NFL draft. It is now less than a week. Six days and counting before the Eagles get on the clock at a couple different places in the first round. Will they stay in those places, move elsewhere? And we'll continue to debate it for the next six days right here on Birds 365 with your Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald. And JM, for a change, we actually have Eagle news to talk about. We try and come yeah. up with angles and storylines and narratives on a day-in, day-out basis. It's so much easier when there's actual Eagle news. Uh, do you want to talk about the retirement of an Eagle player first or the positional change of an Eagle player first? Well, I think the more in yeah, I think the more important uh, uh, is it more important. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I didn't say big news. I yeah, just said news. More high profile. I was waiting for Xander to do a football twenty four seven to ask me to do one for the big uh, JJ Ortega Whiteside move to tight end. Cameron Malvo retires from football. At the age of 27, there's probably some Eagles fans who didn't realize who Cameron Malvo was. And I, but and he did I play. And I guarantee you they can't spell his last name. They, <laughs> they may recognize the name, but they couldn't spell his last name. If they name. know French, they can. You get a little Malvo at the end. But, uh, uh, you know, Cameron actually played at the end of the season, for people who don't remember. He played in the, the playoff game against Tampa as well, so... Um, 27 years old, obviously he came in late as a practice squad player, got elevated a few times. I think he played three games, you know, and he had been a journeyman, big guy, six foot six, big lengthy guy. So obviously the Eagles want to upgrade at edge rusher. We've been talking about it all off season. Brandon Graham's back. He probably, you know, it's one of those things where the off season work is, is starting next week. So you start to ask yourself as a, you know, a bubble player in the NFL is the grind worth it. It's going to start up and all that kind of thing. And that's probably where Cameron was and said, you know what? I, I've had a nice little run here, so let's call it a career. Um, and, you know, good for him. 27 gets out. Uh, not a lot of people can say they played in the NFL, Jody. So it's right. it's and, it's pretty good. And he stuck and, around on the fringe, yeah. but he stuck around. For five years, <clears throat> yeah. Not everybody does either. Some people come into their one training camp, find out, all right, I'm just not as good as these guys. It's time for me to get on with the rest of their lives and uh, never get another chance. Malbo was with about five or six different teams. He jumped yeah. around to a bunch of different teams. Yeah, that's a, he's not the most physically gifted guy, but he had certain traits. Uh, and he always said, you know, he was a two two star recruit going into college. Uh, at the University of Houston. So, um, you know, made it a long way. And part of it was he's 6'6", 265. So, you know, he had certain NFL traits. And when injuries start to pile up, you you need players like that. And he was able to make a, a nice little run for himself uh, with, with those traits. So uh, congratulations to Cameron. Hopefully things go well for him. Nice guy as well. 
And then J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, last-ditch effort, you know, makes a lot of sense to move him to tight end. The Eagles need a tight end. Not that they don't need a wide receiver, but we know he's not the answer at wide receiver. So who knows? Roll the dice, you know, go to camp, try to figure it out, see if he can handle it. But I will say this. It's one thing, you know, you, you can look at it both ways, Jody. You can say, well, he can't get open against NFL corners. But you know what? He probably can get open if you can manipulate it against NFL linebackers or NFL safeties. Now, the problem is he's a good blocker as an NFL wide receiver. There's a big difference from blocking cornerbacks than there is the blocking linebackers and safeties and defensive ends, which will be asked to do a tight end. So you can kind of look at it. It's probably going to help them from the receiving end, but it's not going to help them from the blocking end. And even though the NFL has changed a lot over recent years and you have all these flex tight ends and all that, remember the flex tight ends, the great flex tight ends, Travis Kelsey obviously would be number one. Teams try to cover them with corners anyway. So you're in the same kerfuffle. You know, I mean, if you can't get open, they're going to put corners on them. So it's not like, you, you have to be able to manipulate it the right way to make sure linebackers and safeties are on him. It's a long shot, but he wasn't going to make the team as a receiver, so you might as well try a tight end. Right, I got a couple um, J-Jaw questions for you, but uh, on Malvo first, uh, I I kind of feel bad. It, it, to, to a guy like me who doesn't cover the team day in and day out down there, at the Novacare complex, asking questions uh, after games, before games, and the like, the the job that you do so well. Um, you probably don't know a guy like Jonathan Malbo as well as you would because of the COVID regulations that this was 2005 and you were covering the team and you were talking about the same exact situation. You probably have a better grasp on the guy because you're in the locker room. And you get a chance to see him interact with his teammates and maybe ask him a question or two that you don't have to have a one session. He has to be brought in by, oh, by the way, was Calvin, uh, was uh, he ever brought in for a media session? Yeah, ever... yeah. And, and by was? the way, yeah, he, really? I, I remember it. And I remember it because um, he, he it was Zoom for some reason. Uh, so my, it was some well, reason it, I can give you the reason it's called COVID J Mac. Well, no, I mean, last year was pretty much, we would go down, but at the end of the season, it shifted back a little bit and we went back to zoom for a little bit. But most of the time when we we're interviewing guys, we were down at the Novacan complex. We weren't in the locker room, but right. We were in and, the... and, and you as a big guy, if you want to explain, please tell us the difference between a zoom uh, a meeting a guy in a specific room with all your other fellow guy directed at just one guy. That's a whole different vibe and a whole different feel oh, yeah. than being able to go up to a guy at his locker in the locker room. Yeah. Hold it. Di- well, it's a different vibe than even being down. Like being down there is better in, 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 in the media tent than zoom. And there's, you know, a lot of it is, you know, what the hell are we doing here? Because we're talking to guys off to the side, but we can't go in the line, you know, it's, it's the whole thing. But, you know, the whole thing was silly at a, at, at a certain point. But last year when they scaled things back is when he came in and he started to play a little bit. So we were back to doing things via Zoom, at least on certain occasions. It was, it was a ridiculous thing. But I, I remember that uh, 
for Cameron because he was so excited to be, you know, to talk to us. And, you know, other guys, it's torture for them. Oh, indeed, you know, they yeah. got to they, they, they pull over there one time a week and they're like, ah. And Cameron was so excited uh, and just so thrilled to be there um, and that people wanted to talk to him. And, you know, Philadelphia. I'll give you an example of Philadelphia, Jody. Daniel Jeremiah that did his final conference call with reporters before the draft yesterday afternoon. So I'm on, I'm on the, it was a zoom call actually, but I'm on the zoom call and there. And I, I'd like to do this. There's 70 uh, reporters on the zoom call from all across the country. Right. So there's 32 teams, right? So I counted them up of the 70 reporters wanting to talk to Daniel Jeremiah. And that's pretty much most NFL reporters. Um, guess how many were Philadelphia based? Well, if you do the math, if there's 32 teams and uh, you figure equal amount of each team, that would be like 2.2 guys from Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, 13. <laughs> 13. <laughs> 13 plus two who used to work here. Nick Fierro was on the call and uh, Zach Rosenblatt was on the call. So 13 uh, who just cover the Eagles now. Now I, I'm going to cut some of your brethren a little, little slack here. Not much because I see the point you're trying to make and it's dead on accurate. He is an ex-Philly guy, Jeremiah. Now he's standalone important NFL draft. One of their lead guys gets a lot of coverage on television and .com. Um, so I'm not trying to minimize uh, Daniel Jeremiah's uh, status and or level of importance, but he was also an ex-Philly guy. So you figure you get a couple extra. Yeah, so up from 2.2 to maybe 5 or 6, 13. Yeah. Who, who came in? What town second place? I know you probably didn't do that. I didn't, but yeah. Off the I top of your head, to... who do you think came in second well, place went down? It wasn't Baltimore, and he worked there too. So I, you know, that now that doesn't hold water that he used to work at Philadelphia. Most guys should know that. Some guys probably. It's been so long. Some guys don't even realize that. But uh, he, it, he's only, you know, people only want to talk to him because of who he is right now, not because right. he used to be a low-level scout with the Eagles. Well, did he get an Eagle question? Oh, we got a ton of Eagles questions. Cause... Well, then there you go. It might have had something to do with Philadelphia. Well, it had everything to do to Philadelphia, but it was about, oh, are they going to take a wide receiver? Are they going to take a corner? Are they going to take a defensive tackle? Are they going to take a a linebacker? It had to do with the current Eagles team in the draft. My only point is, and I bring this back to Cameron, he was so thrilled, you know, in in typical cities, there's a couple beat guys and, you know, they're not going to want to talk to somebody that low on the totem pole here. It's Philadelphia's passion, man. That's why Birds 365 exists. Because exactly. there's 13 reporters. <laughs> Not because of that reason, but that's why there's 13 reporters on with Daniel Jeremiah, because so many people are interested in the Philadelphia Eagles. It, it is wild. It is wild how passionate this city is about this team. All right. Before I follow up with a couple other JJR questions, Tell us if Jeremiah said anything of interest. That he did he lend any different type insight than what you and I and your other twelve Eagle Beat guys have been kicking around for the last couple of weeks? Did he have 
anything above and beyond good eagle speculation that we've been throwing around. No, he's just speculating. Remember, he's not here anymore. So we're we're trying to pick Daniel's brain for a scouting experience and what he thinks of the players. Um, he's covering 32 teams now, so he's got to worry about everybody. So it's really difficult to be on the beat. Like, I don't know what the freaking chargers are going to do or people are saying, because I'm, you know, I'm not there every day. So he's not here every day, but he understands the needs of the team. He, he used to work for Howie Roseman. So he has a little bit of an understanding, but how he's evolved a lot since uh, he was here. So he has a little bit understanding, but he was mainly talking about the players. I know he predicted Chris Olave is going to be an Eagle. Um, so, you know, if you, if, if you want to take that to heart, you can throw there. I think he's one of the players I I've narrowed the receivers down to Jameson Williams and Chris Olave myself. So I think he makes a lot of sense for the Eagles. Um, little worried about that, to be honest. I'm not sure if he's worthy of the 15th or 18th pick. I think he should be more in the twenties, early twenties, but. They have such a need, and and then we keep talking about linebackers, and you know, um, we're gonna have Zach Berman on today. I'm gonna interested, gonna be interested to talk to Zach about that because, you know, fool me once, Jody, shame on you. What's the saying? Fool me twice, shame on me. Well, what do we do the math? Fool me forty four times. I mean, uh, you know, and we're still talking about linebacker, but. I can't get it out of the back of my mind how he keeps dropping these hints that he did that linebacker is more important than Jonathan Gannett. So maybe it is a little bit. Uh, so they got me fooled 44 times, Jody. Mm, not ready to go there. I think they're going to pick a linebacker, maybe at 51, certainly from round three on when they have a lot of pay. They're going to take a linebacker. I still don't think they're going to do it in the first well, you're round. You're probably they're not, right. They're not going to suck me in on that one. Um, but, oh, what was it uh, you just said? It's something that, oh, uh, uh, Garrett Chris Wilson. Olave. Um, you're, well, you're discounting that Wilson will be available at number 15? Yeah, I don't think he's going to be there. Okay. Uh, I don't, I don't think he's going to, in fact, Daniel said, uh, the guys who probably aren't going to be there are Garrett Wilson and, uh, Drake London. Um, and, um, then the Eagles would ha have their, uh, pick of the remaining three receivers. And I would take Williams. I'm on record with that. Uh, but there's the ACL to worry about. Um, I'm not sure if Jamison's going to be there, to be honest. I, I think people might realize what a talent he is and be willing to wait a couple months. Um, and I, I don't think he's going to reach the 15 when all is said and done. I think London might be the one who's there instead of Jamison Williams. But I don't I don't think Garrett Wilson is going to be there. If uh, Williams and uh, Wilson are gone, Olave or London, which one would you take if you were the Eagles? Oh, Olave. I said, I don't want Drake London. I don't want Trey Lonberg because I don't see evidence of the Eagles being able to take advantage of that type of player. Now, you know, maybe that's a little bit of, you know, burnt – uh, uh, over the years of being with, you know, failing with JJ um, and the bigger body receiver, failing with Jalen Rager and the manufacturer touch guy. I just want a guy, I said, that can run routes. I want a guy 
<clears throat> where you don't have to do things and do special things to get him involved in the offense. I want somebody who can just create separation on his own, like Devontae Smith. And of those three names, that would be Chris Olave. Now, I think I think Jamison Williams, if he's there, would be better than Chris Olave. And since the Eagles are building anyway, why don't they wait? They're waiting for everything else. They right. might as well wait for Jamison Williams. So that's where I am at wide receiver. I agree with you. And I end up in the same place, but for kind of different reasons. Yours is more predicated on in the first year of the new era of coaches that they have, the uh, Nick Sirianni slash uh, his system. They didn't show you that they can use a larger receiver, a bigger guy. Whatever. Mine is more the fact that I don't want to draft somebody just because of his height and or his catch radius. I want the best player. I rank the players. I put them in an order. I'm not going to try and fit a square peg into a round hole just because it looks like a need to me. No, give me the best player. That's all I would need to know. Well, you're on and, an and island there. The most, staff to- I would say I would say most people grade. Most guests will grade Drake London ahead of Chris Olave. But, you know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, uh, I think you, which go is Wilson, good. Wilson, Williams, Olave, London, Burks, just pure talent. Not worried about who's six, three is compared to who's six, one or whose catch radius is this or that. Just know the ability to play wide receiver coming from college into the national football league. Well, that's, that's good. Jim. You're rank. not, you're not falling prey to the group thing, because if you look at everybody's, you know, the big guys, I, I don't think any of them have Chris Olave ahead of Drake London. But, you know, some of the injury concerns have been creeping up, and he didn't run at his pro day again, which was really late. So maybe he'll take a little knocks from that. But everybody everybody seems to love him. I've seen no evidence of of, of the Eagles being able to take advantage of, of that type of receiver. So why bother? And you need you need the Aaron Rodgers accuracy anyway to throw back shoulders, you know, Jay Cutler to all Sean Jeffrey back in the day, back shoulder, bang, bang. You need that perfect accuracy. Um, Eagles don't have that right now anyway. Here's, so here's the reason why I don't put as much stuck in it sounds like as you do. Who was that guy last year? Jay Uh Who was that well, guy last yeah. year? Rager? I mean, you I, know. I, I will, I will give the, cut the Eagles some slack that they couldn't develop yeah. that guy because there wasn't that player there to be developed. Well, there wasn't I, enough I, talent. I, I agree with that. But as I've said with this staff, and because they were spun as developmental people, teachers, blah, blah, blah. Um, okay, I agree with you. JJ's not good enough. But I would have liked to have seen incremental improvement under the teachers versus the guys who couldn't do anything. And as I said, Rager, if anything, got worse. JJ, if anything, got worse. That's a concern yeah, for but me. But Quez got significantly better. Yeah, yeah. And they won't stop talking about it. <laughs> You're always going to point to those that actually stepped forward. All right, uh, he's Mac. I'm Mac. That makes it the Mac and Mac Bird Street 65 show here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Please hit that like button. Coming up next, uh, we're going to have John Stolnes, who joined the show last year with us formerly of Bleeding Green Nation, does his own Eagles podcast, Eye on the Enemy. He's going to join us next. John Stolnes here on Birds 365.
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Come down to the drain. Not one, but two picks. Here, give us some uh, draft insight, Eagle insight, football insight, uh, formerly of Bleeding Green Nation, which means he has my condolences already that he had to work with BLG. Uh, But more importantly, a host of the Eye on the Enemy podcast, Eagle podcast, John Stone is good enough to jump aboard with us. John, how you been? Uh, I'm good, guys. Good morning. And just just so you're aware, I'm still with Bleeding Green Nation. Uh, The the Eye on the Enemy podcast is part of Bleeding Green Nation, and I still write a weekly article for them. There you go. Trying to push them out the door. Come on, Joe. I'm still working with BLG, though. So that's with our condolences. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Our condolences there. So the bigger news, though. And John, we're glad you're still with Bleeding Green Nation. Brandon does a great job. But yes. how excited are you about the big move? JJ Ortega Whiteside to tight end. That's all I've been talking about to friends and family <laughs> for the last 24 hours. Uh, I, it's uh, it's, it's going to be the difference maker here in 2022. I, I, they're trying to get something out of him. You know, I mean, they, they spent a second round pick on him. I guess this is their last swing for the fences with Ortega Whiteside to make him a backup tight end because he's not going to play a whole lot of snaps with Dallas Goddard there. I mean, maybe they're trying to get creative in how to use some two tight end sets or even three tight end sets. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what the long-term thinking is here, but maybe it's also just to throw the kid a bone. Um, I don't expect really, I don't expect it to work. I don't really expect it to stick, but I guess it's worth a try. I mean, you've already spent the money. You've already spent the capital and a second round pick on him. See if it works, I guess. 
is it more throw the kid a bone and try and do the right thing or more, hey, we use the second round pick on this guy. We got to get something out of it. We're yeah. three years in and the production has been uh, minimal at best. Let's yeah. see if we can just uh, throw a dart from two miles away and see if we can hit the middle of the board. Well, the NFL is generally not a league where you are throwing guys bones, you know, so it's generally a production league. And I, I think what they're trying to do here is, like you said, get some they don't want that pick to be a sunk cost 100%, you know, so they're, they're trying to get something out of that pick. And I think they probably see some things in Ortega Whiteside they like. He, he is a bigger receiver. He, one of the things he has been able to do is that he's been praised for his blocking. Uh, we remember the quote um, from his rookie season when he graded out really well because he could block. Um, but as a tight end, you would be called to do that a little bit more. And so uh, I, I think that is part of the reason why they're doing this move. I think it's a football move. I don't think it's necessarily to try and give the kid a future, but maybe that's a nice ancillary benefit. Who knows? Yeah. Is there a bigger warning light in sports, John, than when they talk about blocking when the first word out of your mouth about an NFL wide receiver is blocking, (laughs) you know, you're in trouble. And that's kind of the first word out of the mouth when they were talking about Zach Pascal. Yeah. Is that a concern for you? Yeah. I mean, is that, if Zach Pascal is your number four wide receiver, it's fine, you know, but he can't be your number two or your number three. He just, has not to this point shown that he can produce at that level. Um, and so it's an underwhelming wide receiver tray or uh, uh, selection or a free agent signing uh, this offseason. You would have liked to have seen that Calvin Ridley tray go through. Um, that would have really changed the way I think we, we feel about the offense and, and the receiving room if that had happened. Uh, it was unfortunate that didn't work out. And then you just saw a number of other wide receivers get paid ridiculous amounts of money this offseason, and it didn't seem as though, A, the Eagles didn't want to go that high on some of those salaries, or B, Eagles uh, free agent receivers maybe just didn't want to play in an offense that's probably going to run the ball more than any other offense in the NFL this year. John, I want to take you into a vacuum, and I know the reality is in a vacuum, but for the sake of doing some evaluation, I want to take it there. Uh, As we sit here today, six days before the draft, free agents having been signed, those that are still out there on the market, the pickings are slim. But as we sit here today, when you look at the Eagles roster, put them in an order for me, positionally, the Eagles' biggest needs. And they will try and continue to upgrade first with the draft, then what's left over in free agency. Sometimes you get lucky right before the season starts, somebody gets cut. No, all those things are possibilities, but they're down the road. As we sit here today, positionally rank the Eagles' biggest needs in your estimation. Uh, They have a few for sure. I I think probably, I mean, it depends what you're going to do with Hassan Reddick. If he's going to play mostly linebacker, I still think you have a big need at at the edge, uh, a defensive end. Um, I, I think even with Reddick, yeah, you still need another guy who can get to the quarterback. So whether that's in the middle at defensive tackle or whether that's on the end, uh, this team was horrific at getting to the quarterback last year from their front four. And they, I think that's the area of this team that they need the most help. I, I think uh, cornerback, they, Darius Slay is still very good, but he's not going to be good forever. He's 31, so he's aging. And so if you're looking two, three, four years down the line, uh, you need another cornerback. You need a number two cornerback for this year's team. And so that that's a big need. And I think you need a number two wide receiver at, at, on this team. That would be my, my number three, because 
you just don't have enough talent there. I like you guys were saying before I came on, they are talking up Quez Watkins. They, they love him. And I think there were a number of plays on the field last year that Jalen Hurts missed with Quez Watkins. He probably could have had better numbers. Same with Devontae Smith. Maybe those guys will do better here in, in with another year in the system, but I still think they are woefully lacking in terms of talent at the wide receiver position. Uh, and then, you know, I think it's safety. They have they have some long-term issues at safety. I, I think they could use a guy for this year and for the long-term as well. Uh, those would probably be the way I would rank the, the top four or five areas of need with this team right now. They're mostly on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, so if we took a snapshot right now, John, if, if you go back to the end of the regular season, the disappointment, the loss in Tampa Bay in the playoffs, um, and you move forward after Howie Roseman will tell you, and he's right, talent gathering season, as he likes to call it, can go into August, and we've seen that in the past with guys like Ronald Darby, most notably, uh, the trade in the Super Bowl season. So he is right, but we can only talk about where we are, and you generally want to set yourself up for the draft. Do you think the Eagles have gotten better or worse or stagnant in sort of a stasis where they are after the first few waves of free agency? I think if you liked the 2021 Eagles, you're going to love the 2022 Eagles. <laughs> uh, they, it is, uh, there's not a whole lot of difference. I, I can't, I think they may have gotten marginally better. That being said, it's not much. I, I think, I think the Reddick signing was a big signing. I, I think that was universally praised for good reason. It was a, it was a good deal monetarily. He's a good player. Uh, I think getting Kazir White at linebacker was a good was a good move. I like that they're investing in the linebacker position here. Uh, it's about time. Uh, but you know, bringing back Fletcher Cox and bringing bringing back uh, Derek Barnett, and you know, we're bringing back some of the you know some of the guys from this team who have underperformed the last couple of years, and they just were not able to get that wide receiver that I think really would have helped Jalen Hurts. If he's going to take another step, take that next step. And so I think you're still lacking in. Um, skill position players. I don't know what we're going to get on Miles Sanders in his in the final year of his deal. He's got to stay on the field, um, and he he's struggled to do that. I, I do think you're going to see this offense do a lot of what they did last year. They're going to run the ball a lot. I don't think you're going to see them throw it a lot. And I still think the defense. I don't know what Jonathan Gannon is planning on doing with his defense. If it, if he has the same scheme as last year, where everybody's playing back and you're trying to get pressure with just the front four. I think you're going to see the, the defense struggle against good quarterbacks and good offenses. So I just, there hasn't been much of a move forward. It's been mostly static. And I think maybe there's been a slight move forward, but it hasn't been very much. All right, John, I'm going to put on my Eagle colored glasses for a second here. Okay. Yeah. Knowing full well, that this is probably not going to happen, but okay. uh, at least two quarterbacks are taken in the first 14 picks which there might be none taken. Huh. Uh, maybe even three quarterbacks are taken. All right, I'm probably pushing it a little bit too far. Uh, but uh, Drake London is taken higher. I'm not as big a Drake London fan as others. So huh. um, wide receivers, both Wilson and Williams are available at the Eagles pick at number 15. Jordan Davis falls down and is huh. available. The massive defensive tackle um, is there. And uh, we'll put our buddy Kyle Hamilton in the mix at number 15 as well. And the Eagles have a needed safety. Both John and I are big Kyle Hamilton fans. 
let's say all those players are available. Who are the Eagles going to take with that mm. 15th pick? It's a great, and that's one of the nice things about where they're picking. They probably have six or seven guys at four or five different positions that will be available to them at number 15. And uh, I, I think they're going to move up. I, I think they're going to package that extra third rounder they got from New Orleans and, and, and move up and grab maybe one of the guys you're talking about. Uh, for me, man, I don't normally like the idea of drafting a run-stopping defensive tackle in the first round, but Jordan Davis is something unique. Uh I think he would probably be, if they stay at 15, I think he would probably be my selection there simply because in Jonathan Gannon's defense, he would enable Gannon to do a little bit more of what he wants to do by having a guy who on first and second down will be a wrecker in the middle of the defensive line. And, you know, we've seen players like that on championship teams have a huge impact. Uh, And I think there's still, because of his physical profile, because he is so athletic, because he's such a, uh, a ridiculous beast, uh, athletically speaking. I think there's room for him to grow as a pass rusher. I think he can be a guy who can get to the quarterback on a on a, on a maybe not a you know not a double digit sack guy, but you know get you six or seven sacks a season. Uh, so I think that would be a real. I, I like I, I like the idea of going up and grabbing that safety because and the Eagles have never drafted a safety in the first round ever in 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 their franchise history. So I don't see that happening. Um, and I know they love the trenches. So I, I think Jordan Davis, if he's still there at like 13 or 14, they might even move up to get him. Um, and, and I would yeah. be okay with that. Yeah, I'm with you, John. That's the guy I've kind of put my uh, highlighter on Jordan Davis for all the reasons you talked about, especially Jonathan Gannon is specifically looking for that zero one technique because Javon Hargrave was really, really bad. I think people don't realize how bad he was against the run. Mm-hmm. He was a great pass rusher, but he was really poor against the run. That he used an extra safety at time. That's why he used so so many five man fronts for run fits and all that kind of stuff. And Jordan Davis would stop all that and enable him to do some different things. I do hear the the criticism about him being a rotational player, but all defensive linemen uh, yeah. are rotational players now. Right. So I don't necessarily buy that. You saw B2B in Tampa and, you know, I'll take that guy. If yeah. we're going to get similar, something of that. Now, Jody brings up Kyle Hamilton though. That is my number one player in this draft. I think he is the best player in this draft, the best football player. Now I know he's not going number one. Right. I find it hard to believe um the eagles uh i find it hard to believe he he would fall to the eagles at 15 we had a conference call with daniel jeremiah yesterday he said if hamilton falls the eagles have to take him he'd be a home run pick if for some reason he does fall do you think howie roseman would change all that history and he's not a part of it he's only part of it since basically 2010 and some seasons he wasn't even a part of that but um do you think he would pass on kyle hamilton if he had the opportunity it's a great question uh i think if he's there at 15 like if he drops all the way to 15 i I don't see how he could pass on him uh it's i think it's a matter of how far would howie be willing to trade up to go get him if if he slips and if he falls how much how much leverage can you get out of that extra third round pick if you deal 15 and the first third rounder that you have can you get up inside can you get to 10 can you get to 11 i think you might be able to get up that high we saw last year the, the eagles moved from 12 to 10 uh doing that so 15 to 10 might be a little bit 
a little bit much to ask for. If he falls into that 12 range, 11, 12, 13 range, I think the Eagles definitely start to make some phone calls. And um, my guess is that Jordan Davis is a little higher on their list simply because of the position that he plays. But I think they would be silly not to pursue Hamilton if he if he falls in, into that range for sure. He's a great player. He, he, he would also be a solution at the safety position for five to 10 years with, with this franchise. And we know from Brian Dawkins, we know from past history, how important having a good safety is in the, in, in the backfield. I want to follow up on something you said earlier, John, because you and I agree the sign Reddick signing was a good one. Shoot. I lobbied like hell last year for the Eagles to sign <laughs> that sign Reddick when he signed his one year deal to go back and play for his college coach in Carolina. So I'm glad they got it done this off season. But there is a question with him, as you pointed out. Is he a linebacker or is he a defensive end? He's kind of a hybrid, Mm -hmm. and he plays a little of both, and it all comes down to how you use him, how you get him in position to make plays. Do you have faith that Jonathan Gannon is that guy, that he will fit what Gannon wants to do, or Gannon will fit what he wants to do to get the most out of Hassan Reddick? Based on what we saw last year, I don't have a lot of faith in Jonathan Gannon. I, I couldn't understand why he was getting so many head coaching interviews this offseason, as I think most Eagles fans were kind of you know, perplexed by that. So I don't know. He, he hasn't had a player like Hassan Reddick last year with the Eagles. So uh, I don't want to say he can't. My confidence level in him being able to do that is not high. Um, it's, it's difficult to figure out a way to, to work a player into a rotation like that where he's – playing linebacker, playing edge, and and you're trying to maintain a a defensive front rotation that makes sense in addition to working, you know, working a linebacker rotation in there. There's a lot of moving pieces there, and I'm not sure. I'm not confident, no, that Jonathan Gannon can pull it off. Um, You know, if you're in a room with Jonathan Gannon, you'd understand (laughs) why he gets interviewed. I, I will say this. I'm surprised he didn't get the job. That's how, you know, if you talk to the guy, he's, he's pretty convincing. Hmm. Now I, you know, a lot of the reasons people get head coaching jobs, Nick Sirianni's the same way. I mean, he's, he's got that abusive personality. He, he went into Jeffrey's Palm beach mansion. He won him over. Uh, And basically they were looking for somebody they felt a little more comfortable with than Josh McDaniels, who, and by the way, I think, uh, Jeffrey was right. I think ultimately Josh McDaniels and Harry Roseman would have butted heads. So yep. it's kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. Finally found the guy. Jonathan has some of those same uh, qualities as far as winning people over. But as you said, John, and that doesn't have anything to do with defensive football. It is going to be interesting though, because if you look at his history in Indianapolis and even going back to Minnesota, we start talking about linebackers. They had Darius Leonard in, in Indianapolis. They had Eric Kendricks uh, in Minnesota, Anthony Barr before all the injuries when he was a really good player. Here in Philadelphia, they haven't taken a linebacker for 44 years. Jerry Robinson is sitting out there in Southern California getting ready to pop the bubbly again. <laughs> or is he? Is there a potential? I joked with Jody, fooled me once, fooled me twice, fooled me 44 times. I'm sitting here thinking they might take a linebacker because Jonathan Gannon values linebackers more than the defensive coordinators that have been here recently, and it's a need still. And there's two good players. 
Is it all coming together, John Stolness? It, it could be, uh, it, especially if some of the other targets at positions they traditionally like more are off the board and they don't see a whole lot of value in, in taking a, an, an edge rusher or a defensive tackle at 15 if, if the board doesn't fall the way they want or if one of the wide receivers that they may have their eye on, if Chris Olave is off the board. I could see them going linebacker. I, I don't think it's the likely scenario, um, but I do think it's possible because – you, again, it is a need on this team, and and we know. I mean, Jim Schwartz didn't care about linebackers, you know, one iota. So there was never a there was never a possibility that was going to happen. It's I don't think Jonathan Gannon has the same cachet with Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman uh, that uh, Jim Schwartz did because of Schwartz's history at, at the as a defensive coordinator. But um, I don't see it. I, I don't see them getting a linebacker here unless one of the top guys again falls for for some reason the way the board shakes out and, and then maybe you just say okay this guy's too good a player not to take advantage of I, i'll say this the eagles have a lot of needs at a lot of different positions they can't afford to be thinking about zeroing in on a certain mm. position they have got to take the best available player at any one of a number of four or five positions like we've outlined cornerback safety linebacker edge rusher wide receiver Really, whoever is tops on their board when it comes to 15, or if there's a trade-up window of 11 to 12 where Howie Roseman knows he can move up and the guy that they really like is available, they'll, I think they'll go get him. I don't think they're going to rule out any position, including linebacker. How about quarterback? I don't think there's anybody in the first round they like <laughs> in order to spend a, a first-round pick. I mean, Willis uh, is really the only kid that I would say is worth taking a shot on. But I, I think, you know, Next year is going to be a better quarterback class. You've got more, you've got tons of needs on the defensive side of the ball and at wide receiver. I say, you know, you've given yourself an extra first rounder next year to, to see what you can do with quarterbacks this year. There's just nobody good enough to take that high. And I, I, I would stick with Jalen hurts for this year and use those picks to, you know, fill out your defense or maybe get a wide out. Now I'll give you another reason why I don't think the linebacker position has a chance of being selected in the first round. If we're tying it to, well, the new defensive coordinator has a higher evaluation of how important linebackers are, well, you're taking a kid in the first round, you're banking on him for at least five years, if not longer, right? Yeah. Well, Jonathan, he's not going to be here. That's the Eagles are only renting Jonathan Gannon. Mm-hmm. He's just, this is a stopover for him before he gets his head coaching position. I didn't say that. Howie Roseman said that. Yeah. So if, if he's stating that and believes that, why would you take a linebacker for 40 years? You didn't believe in linebackers. You're going to take him for one year with a guy who's going to go ahead and leave you next year anyway? The math doesn't work. That's yeah. why they're not taking a linebacker this year. I think that's fair, too. And I think that's also if you are not going to draft Jordan Davis, that's one of the reasons why. If, if you feel like Davis specifically fits into what Jonathan Gannon wants to do on defense, but otherwise you may not be interested in taking a run-stopping defensive tackle early in the first round, that's a, that's a reason to look past him. Uh, I still think he's a good enough player and has a, has a good enough profile to take at number 15. But if there, there, there might be some defensive players who you say, yeah, this guy would fit in Gannon's scheme more than maybe another scheme, but Gannon might not be here for very long. So I think that's a fair point. Maybe it's a little bit of, I'm going to throw another name in the mix because when we talk about ceiling, scouts love to talk about it in this league cliche of boom or bust one guy i think that fits that into that category is Derek stingley and i think he could be either 
one of the top five cornerbacks in football or just an absolute Jeffrey Okuda-like disaster at the cornerback position. Um, and that's, you know, that's a little danger. You think yeah. Howie Roseman's up for some danger when you talk about those trade-up candidates you've been talking yeah. about, John, because I agree with you. I think Jordan Davis is in that mix. Um, I don't I don't know if Kyle would be in that mix because I find it hard to believe teams are going to be that dumb uh, to, to, to make them last that long, but you never know. Um, but I think Stingley is it yeah. is, is it could be in that list as well. I put Gardner, but I, I don't think Gardner's going to get anywhere near yeah. where you can move up. He's the one guy corner that you might say, all right, we can lock this down. We can get that. As you mentioned, Darius Slay's over 30. You know, he's not going to be Darius Slay forever. You also have a potential cornerback one moving forward. You don't have to rely on Zach McPherson as a second-year player. What are your thoughts on on Derek Stingley? There's obviously a lot of risk-reward with him. Uh, his 2019 season as a freshman, he was maybe the best cornerback in, in college football. And now the last couple of years as LSU has kind of tapered off and they haven't been in the national championship conversation. He's missed a bunch of games. There's, there's some questions obviously about his, his, his makeup, his desire to play. Uh, I think if you're trading up, I would have reservations about trading up to 10 to get Derek Stingley. Um, talent wise. I think, yeah, you pair him with Darius Slay. Uh, you could have a dynamic cornerback duo back there. And then with Avante Maddox in the slot, you, you, that could be a real strength next year. But it's just a matter of which Stingley are you going to get. And I would imagine that the Eagles have had conversations with him, have had conversations with his coaches. And uh, I think if they feel good about where he is mentally and they feel good about his health, makes a lot of sense. Makes all the sense in the world to move up to 10 or 11 if Stingley is still there uh, to, to go get him. Because they, they do need another cornerback. And would not be at all surprised if, if they don't get Stingley that they, you know, get like a, a Trent McDuffie or something like that at, at 15. But um, – and that might be the calculation, too, is how do they evaluate Trent McDuffie compared to Derek Stingley? Is there enough red flags about Stingley? And do you like McDuffie enough that they're if they're really close, then maybe you just stay where you are at 15 and take McDuffie. Or maybe he, McDuffie falls to 18. You grab your cornerback there and you take a wide out at 15 or you move up to get Jordan Davis or, or whatever. It, it's going to really, I think, depend on what they also feel like they might be able to get at 18, uh, depending on, on what, what they move up to go get uh, from 15. All right, uh, I'm going to ask you to evaluate the general manager of the Eagles because my partner, John McMullen, likes to use this phrase, and it's very much on point. Howie Roseman likes to win the trade. Uh, when the Eagles make deals, you look at it ahead of time, you go, wow, value for value, the Eagles did well. We certainly believe that's the case with the Saints. Mm -hmm. Let's say Howie Roseman can win the trade with the San Francisco 49ers. Debo Samuel is through mediators asked for a trade out of San Francisco. We've had two massive wide receiver trades already this year with Devontae Adams going from Green Bay to, Oak, uh, to Vegas and uh, Tyreek Hill going from Kansas City down to Miami. So you add those as templates. Mm -hmm. If you can get Debo Samuel for less in exchange for what you have to give up to get him and comparable amount of salary, you know, by the way, he's younger than either one of those players. Right. If that trade is out there, should the Eagles pull the trigger on it? I would. Um, I, I think there is certainly some uh, some danger to it. Uh, it doesn't sound like Samuel wants to be used in the backfield anymore as a, as a wide back. He wants to just be a wide out. So 
Um, some, one of the things that made him really special in San Francisco was his ability to run the ball out of the backfield. He scored 21 touchdowns as a, as a, as a runner last year. Uh, so if he doesn't want to be used in that way, and now you're just looking at him as a wide receiver, I still think you have a really productive player. But one of the things that has made him so special was his uh, running ability out of the backfield. So you have to kind of know going in, I think you're going to lose that kind of flexibility with him. And so as a pure receiver only, is he worth $30 million a year? Um, what else do you have to do to the salary cap in order to, to get him in? What other money do you have to kick down the road? How does that limit what you can do at the quarterback position next year? If you want to trade for a veteran who might become available or, or, or something like that, or you want to draft a quarterback <clears> really <throat> high, then that first round pick's going to cost you, even though he's on a rookie deal, if you draft a quarterback high, it's going to cost you a significant amount of cap space. And so there's all those things to consider. That being said, you get a guy like Debo Samuel on the outside to pair with Devontae Smith and, and Quez Watkins. I, I think you dynamically change the offense. I think, I think Nick Sirianni has to throw the ball more. He can't be a run-heavy team if he's got Debo Samuel on the outside. And then it's just a matter of telling Jalen Hurts, listen, you're going to throw 30 times a game. We have got, we've got to use these guys. We've got to get these guys targets. And so I would do it. I would pull the trigger because the chances are better than not. I don't think that Jalen Hurts is the quarterback after this year. And so who knows what you get for, for 2023 at, at, at quarterback. And Debo Samuel is young. He's going to be around for a long time. So he's likely here for your next franchise quarterback, whoever that might be, if it's not Jalen Hurts. So I, I would do it. Um, I wouldn't trade both first rounders. I would probably deal one of the first rounders. Um, and then, you know, whatever else needs to be in day two or maybe something in a first round pick next year. I don't know what, what else it would cost, but. Um, I don't. I don't think I would do more than one first rounder for for Debo Samuel. Follow him on Twitter at John Stolness. You can read him at Bleeding Green Nation. If you like the Phillies, you can read him at the Good Fight as well. John, last one from me. It, let's follow up on Debo Samuel because Jody knows by now that's my favorite player to watch in the entire NFL. <laughs> Love him. Love him. Electric. I can't bring him in here. From what I I can't bring him in here and hamstring Nick Sirianni as a second year coach and say, "Hey, we're getting this great player, Nick, but you can't run jet sweeps. You can't run. You can't put him in the backfield. It, it is that's a non-starter to me. Am I overreacting from that standpoint? Is that just where we are in the sort of era of player empowerment? I think. Well, I mean, if you're he's forcing his way out of San Francisco, essentially. So, yes, players have more power now than than they ever have to determine where they go and to determine what what they're doing on the field. Uh, it's a calculation of saying, can I get enough production from him as a pure wide receiver uh, in order to make in order to make it work on the roster? Because, uh, you know, I don't know that you want to run him as much as San Francisco did. And, and maybe that if Nick Sirianni says, yeah, I wouldn't plan to run him as much uh, with jet sweeps. And, you know, jet sweeps are a little different. You know, I don't think he's saying I don't ever want to run the ball again, but I don't think he wants to line up as a running back. And so I think there are ways to use him creatively that he would be okay with. Uh, I don't necessarily think he's saying I don't ever want another rushing attempt again, but it's all starts. It would have to be part of the conversation with him for sure to see what amount what he would be willing to do. And, and that is just the way of the world now. And you, if you're going to acquire a player like that, give up the trade capital, give up the money in order to sign him to a long-term deal, uh, you'd have to kind of settle on what his role would be. 
there, that's what I was saying. There, there is a risk there. And, and it certainly, it certainly would be there, but I think he would bring you enough as a pure wide receiver in order to justify giving up the draft pick. I don't know if he's, if he's good enough as a pure wide receiver to give you to, to have to give out a $30 million a year contract. And that is the big question to me. It's the money more than it is the, the draft capital. All right, John, last one from me. And I'm going to ask you to look into your pigskin crystal ball. Yeah. The NFL announced yesterday that I think I wrote it down here, like uh, May, May 27th, May 12th, May 12th is the announcement schedule? of the schedule. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we know who the Eagles are going to play, where they're going to play. We just don't know when they're going to play. We'll find out on May 12th and they'll make a whole day thing out of it out oh, of the yeah. NFL network. God bless them. Get a whole day of yeah. programming out of a piece of paper. About Good summer content, and, man. Yeah. Summer content. About Good. dates and logistics. You know, yeah. I, re- I, I love that people get so excited about as, dates. As, as a beat guy, it actually helps someone. Oh, like yeah. Because yeah. Th- yeah. There's his schedule for the next yeah. six months, so he can actually right. start putting things together. But the importance of when you play the team, where you play the team, like, I'm jettisoned all the way to the end. Week 18, because we're now playing 17 games. Mm-hmm. Eagles will be playing... Who, where, and will they be playing the JV again this year since they're already <laughs> going to be in a playoff position and not have to worry about the outcome of that Week 18 game? The NFL is obsessed with having the Eagles play the Cowboys in the final week of the season. I, I hope it doesn't happen. I'm so tired of this really important rivalry half of the time being relegated yeah. to, to, exactly. to a game that means yeah. nothing. I know they want to think like, well, these two teams may be battling it out for the division title week 18. What drama? It rarely works that way. And so I, I, I want to see Dallas opening week. I want to see week one against Dallas. And then I want to see like a midseason game against Dallas. I want to see week nine, week 10, where, you know, both teams are really just, you would hope, hitting the ground running. I think the NFL is going to schedule an Eagles-Dallas game in Dallas in week 18. All right. I'll give you mine. The return of Carson. Oh, that would the be. Commanders have to come <laughs> to Lincoln Financial Field week yeah. 18. And then we have to hope the same thing. It's not the JV going out there that right. the Eagles actually need the game right. to take on Carson Wentz. That could be Carson's got to get through too. 18 weeks from an injury standpoint right. and a production standpoint. There's not a good chance you're going to see Carson in week 18. <laughs> that's true, too. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm crossing my fingers that that's what they get. John, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. Thanks for getting up early with us. We will certainly be touching base again down the road. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Roger. John Stolness, maybe it's just because he's writing less. He's got a full-time gig elsewhere now these days. So he's still contributing for Bleeding Green Nation. And his Eye on the Enemy podcast is a good listen for all you Bird fans out there. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, come on back with us here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. 
What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of stateside vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Is on six days. Eagles with two first round picks. Will Howie be moving and shaking on draft day? I don't think we'll know until we get there. Um, I uh, brought up Debo Samuel with our buddy John Stonis when he hopped on board. Um, Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk made a uh, real good point in his column today, uh, his uh, ongoing columns uh, about stuff in the league. He said, don't expect the Debo Samuel trade until draft day if there even is one. Uh, whatever team who's going to give up a first-round pick to get him, first-round pick plus, but a minimum of one first-round pick, the 49ers would probably like to wait until just before that pick to make the draft. Because if there's a specific person slash position that they want to Burks. I, I did. They're going to try and bring in uh, Debo Light to uh, replace him. I don't know about that, but uh, you could be onto something. Um, or it could be another position. You don't want to tip your hand ahead of time. You don't want to let everybody know that you now have pick number yeah. 10, yeah. 12, 14, whatever it is. No, you want to wait till draft night. If you're going to make a deal with that team and take that first round pick, you can okay the trade, but say, hey, it's not official until we get there and the pick is on the board and we like the guy who's there. Then we'll, it's kind of a tentative trade. And even at that, it may leak out, but you try not to leak it out. If you're smart, you're San Francisco. You don't agree to a deal until you get there on draft night because you're trading Debo Samuel. 
who had one of the most productive years in the National Football League. This side of Cooper Cup, he was the best wide receiver in the National Football League last year. You're going to give up a talent like that. John McMullen's favorite player to watch in the National Football League. You want to dictate terms. You want to get exactly what you want to get in return, and that includes the guy you're selecting in the first round with what pick you're getting for Debo. Well, I used to cover Randy Moss, and when Randy uh, got traded uh, uh, from Minnesota, um, they they made a, a, a pretty good deal. Uh, but For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. <laughs> they were intent on replacing Randy Moss, right? Good luck with that. Yeah. And I forget the number of pick, but it was pretty high pick. And they drafted a kid by the name of Troy Williamson, who, yeah, you're, I, you're, you got a queried look. I got to look up what number he was. Oh, he could run, Jody. Oh, he could run. And he was always behind people. And guess what he couldn't do? Catch the, Catch the football. football. Catch the football. He was uh, the seventh pick. In the 2005 draft, 2005 draft, seventh overall, ran a 4-3-2, you know, had some size, six, six foot one and a quarter, 203 pounds, always open, couldn't catch the football. Um, yeah, so my, my, you shouldn't be trying to replace Debo Samuel if you're the San Francisco 49ers, because you can't, you can't replace certain players. You just got to go about it a different way and you're going to make a mistake. But when I talk about Debo and the Eagles, I think it was Adam Schefter who put out, look, it's more to do with him, you know, wanting to get back to closer to South Carolina and he just doesn't like California. Uh, And if that's the case, I'd be all in on Debo Sam. I mean, all in on, I, I, I mean, he could help this team, in immense ways if you could use him like Debo Samuel. But if that was the problem and he just doesn't want to play in the backfield, I can't hamstring Nick Sirianni like that. Now, when it comes to the Eagles, and this is just me, Jody, uh, when it comes to the Eagles, I don't think they want to pay the kid. I don't, And it's not just him. I don't think they want to pay A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, anybody else on the trade market, anybody on the free agency market. And, you know, they how he intimated that a little bit in his press conference talking about the, the spike in wide receiver salaries. And that's why they shifted more likely to going after another wide receiver in the draft. And I don't know. I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it. I'd rather have a proven commodity. Um, and when you're talking about a guy who changes games like Debo Samuel, you know, how we will say he will, if they like a player, they're very aggressive. And he's right. They they tend to be very, very aggressive. What's not to like? 
if he agrees, and by the way, I don't even, this is all, uh, you know, he probably wants to go to Carolina. He probably doesn't want to come to Philadelphia because of the quarterback situation, all that kind of stuff. But well, if, if the quarterback situation is going to declare it, why would he want to go to Carolina? Well, fair point. He just wants to go to Carolina to be close to home. But um, I meant if he was going somewhere else, all that other stuff will try, you know, enter into the equation. And the Eagles aren't going to win out in that category. If he, if if he, if the other opportunities are guys you can really sling the football and he's going to put up big numbers. So there's all kinds of obviously hypotheticals you can run out there. Um, but just as a pure football player, if you're not in on Debo Samuel, you know, who the hell are you going to be in on? I, you know, then nobody. All right. Nobody. And if it's nobody, just draft Chris Alave and try to develop him and say, hey, we got him for four years. Well, I'll give you two more names that have been kicked around because the rumors have been floated out there that they could become available. They would either want to be traded or be okay with being traded and the like with their general managers because, oh, here's a shocker, John. Teams are joining uh, together on the field this week. General managers are being given uh, availabilities for the media and the like to talk about the draft and or the workouts that their teams are putting in. Not happening here in Philadelphia, uh, but I digress. Uh, the general manager of the Tennessee Titans yesterday said they have no intention on trading A.J. Brown, who's a name who has been floated out there some. Man, would he be a nice fit for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, not big receiver. Big receiver. He's a big receiver who's already proven he could play in the National Football League. There, we were having true. two different conversations here. A big receiver who's already done it in the National Football League and a big receiver who's a collegiate player available for draft who has not caught one ball yet in the National Football League. I'm not against big receivers. I'm against big receivers that are being evaluated higher than I would evaluate him just because they're big. A.J. Brown has already proven we can do it in National Football League, so that becomes added value for me if he's big on top of the fact that he's already proven that he can play with almost anybody. Oh, yeah, that's the kind of guy that I want if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles. So, yes, I would love to see them get their hands on A.J. Brown. Uh, John Robinson, their general manager, came out yesterday and said, don't hold your breath. We have no intention of trading A.J. Brown. And the Arizona Cardinals general manager also came out yesterday and said, yeah, Kyler Murray's our quarterback. He's not going to be anybody else's quarterback. He's going to be here with the Arizona Cardinals. So uh, his name has been floated out there. The whole pull your stuff off social media thing. To dictate the fact that Ugh. you want to be on another team somewhere. Um, looks like Arizona isn't moving off Kyler Murray, either, which should lend itself to some fireworks come camp time. I check He's every day to see if Jody McDonald took the Birds 365 off his social media. Yeah, you can go ahead and, and I know check. I'm I in just, trouble. Has it moved in uh 259 I, yeah. shows it's been up there for. I can't stand the remove stuff from social media, mainly because I can't do it myself. I don't know how they do it. How they scrub just um, Arizona Cardinal stuff from your social media. I need help from Xander or Tone <laughs> in that to remove the stuff. You and I, I, you and I yeah. both would need to have someone else give us a helping hand with that. Um, yeah, so uh, it, the Eagles are probably glad jody to be honest because they don't have to answer questions or hear the rumors or because they're not going to get involved in those two players anyway um 
Kyler well, Murray why, doesn't. Why wouldn't they be involved with AJ Brown? I understand the Kyler Murray money. thing, but they don't want to pay a receiver that much money. I mean, they're they're. It's pretty evident to me. I mean, that's his. That's his. Howie's never going to come out and say something, but that's as close as he comes out to say something. What he said about the wide receiver position and the spike in salary, and we don't want to be like everybody else. That's as close as he comes out to say, "Hey, look, this is ridiculous." We're not going to do it. Um, and I see his point. I, I I think it's a valid point, but it's not coming down. So at some point, you're going to have to pay a good receiver. It might be your your own receiver. A couple of years down the line, Devontae Smith. Right. Um, at some point, you're going to have to pay somebody. <laughs> so um, unless you want to keep rolling it over with young receivers, and that hasn't worked, let's be honest. Um yeah, as as a philosophy, I actually think that that is more stable than because some have suggested, and I'm, I apologize for interrupting, John. Some have suggested that that's going to be the way of the future for the quarterback position. That you're going to draft a yeah. guy and you're going to roll with him for four years as best you can, and then in that last year you're going to draft your next quarterback and then you're going to roll with him. That the quarterback money has gotten so outrageous you can't put together a roster. Yeah, you can if you're good at it. And I think stability at the quarterback position is more important than stability at the wide receiver position. If there is a position where you could do that, where you could just draft a guy in the first round, get a superstar wide receiver coming out of college, and then know you're going to have him for five years, and then you're going to have to find his replacement because you're not going to pay him the next time. I think it's much more viable at the wide receiver position than it is the quarterback, in theory. Then you have to make it specific and say the Philadelphia Eagles. Oops. They haven't been the best at selecting those guys as the wide receivers who you're going to keep for five years. Hopefully, Devontae Smith changes that uh, line of logic and that narrative, but they just have not been good at doing it. I, I like that better than flip the quarterback every five years. I like flip the wide receiver better, but then you got to be able to get the right, right wide receiver in the draft. Yeah, and that's where the Eagles, I mean, they got one last year, but we know and we've talked about who gets more credit for that Nick Saban or the Eagles getting Devontae Smith up to speed. I, and we kind of showed up. I was there day one. He kind of showed up, up to speed. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, who, whomever, obviously Jamison Williams um, is going to be uh, uh, backtracked a couple months because of the injury. Any of the other four, I'm not sure they're showing up like Devontae Smith. Um, but I will, you know, for sake of art, we always talk about what's your favorite flavor. You don't like Drake London. Uh, I like Jamison Williams. You like Jamison. You like Garrett Wilson. What's your favorite player on the veteran guy? So if you had Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, who would you rather have of that foursome? Ooh, good question. Um, I would rank them in this order. Debo won, even with the, listen, I want to run less. If he's going to really be as big a diva as to dictate, I never want to carry the ball again. That's a bit much for me. But if he feels that San Francisco overused him at the running back position and he plans on playing the next 10 years, not the next seven years. And if you use me enough as a running back, I see my shelf life being shrunken. I'm okay with him having some say over what he's going to do. 
I just don't want to be completely dictated by him. And we don't know what the case is. We really don't. We're all speculating on it. So I need some information to be able to create a, a complete list. But if you're just talking about pure talent and assuming he's a guy that you could work with, you could coach up, you could get on the same page with, Debo one, A.J. Brown two, Metcalf three, McLaurin four. Ooh, I would put uh, Terry McLaurin higher. Debo's my number one, you know that. I, I would put Terry McLaurin two for this reason. One, he's the anti-Diva um, uh, receiver, or he has been to this point. Uh, so the stuff we're worried about about Debo, you don't have to worry about Terry. Number two, man, he's produced with bad quarterbacks. Man, I mean... Just a mess year in and year out, and he just produces. And that tells me a lot uh, that he's able to, to to put together the numbers he has in situations which, to be kind, are not the best. I think he's one of the most underrated players in football. I, I really do. And part of that is because Washington has been so bad at quarterback and everybody forgets about him. And I'm like, that guy produces with that dreck throwing to him and that's that's pretty sticking impressive to me he hasn't had a top flight quarterback since he's gotten to washington that is abs- absolutely uh fair um i like him i think he's very good um he's not a touchdown guy he hasn't been a touchdown guy and if you want to just lay that off on the quarterback uh i guess you can but I like a guy who gets in the end zone and, and he just hasn't been that in his career so far in Washington. Um, the position itself does lend itself to divas. You're right. And McLaurin has been a uh, don't ruffle the feathers kind of guy. I'll give him extra points for that too. But you know who the biggest don't ruffle the feathers guy in the NFL is, John? Uh, JJ? No. no. I'm Cooper yeah. Cup. Yeah, that's true. Man, did I guess this one wrong? Uh, when all these wide receivers were being dealt and getting their contract redone and resetting the bar in the National Football League, I, I know I've said it here a handful of times uh, on Birds 365. I've said it on my other radio broadcast. It's only a matter of time before Cooper Cup is going to say. You would think. I, I, I still me. think, though, it's only a matter of time, Jody. He, he probably knows. Said, I don't care. When the time is right, the Rams will come to me and will redo my contract. I'm not going to make a stink here. Are you kidding me? You yeah. absolutely had every right to make a stink and put up your hand and go, hey, I'm the best wide receiver in the league. Did you see the season I just had? Did I have to put a cherry on top the MVP in the Super Bowl? How bad you doing the right thing and rip up my contract like now? And Cooper Cup said, no, nah, don't worry about it. We'll get, when we get to it, we'll get to it. That just doesn't happen in sports anymore. No, yeah, you're right. He deserves a lot of credit because, yeah, I mean, that's what happened with Tyreek. He was like, yeah, I'm going to come back. Everything's copacetic. And then Devontae gets his deal, and he's he's knocking on the door the next day, and boom, he's out in Miami and a couple days later. Um, So, yeah, it can happen really, really quickly, and that's, you know, obviously the Eagles have been, like a lot of teams, uh, have been taken by surprise by the market, but other teams are adjusting. The Eagles are not, and they seem to be doing it per- purposefully and saying, okay, these teams are making mistakes, um, 
and we'll see if they're right or not because they still need a receiver. Again, it's an annual tradition, Jody. It has become an annual tradition. And that's why I will not knock the Eagles if they take a wide receiver with either pick 15 or 18. I can't because they have that big a need. If we had this conversation the day the season ended, when I were beaten by Tampa Bay and we turned the page and what did the Eagles need to do to get better next year, a better two slash three wide receiver was absolutely at the top of the list. And they had all these months to achieve that goal before the draft. And we know they were, quote unquote, in on other wide receivers. They were close to getting other wide receivers. They got Zach Pascal. Okay. So they haven't achieved what they needed to achieve. There isn't going to be a wide receiver that's going to drop from the heavens. Um, I know these names like Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown are out there and the like, but they, they've kind of shown their hand. You said Howie Roseman came out and said it without saying it. They're not jumping into the $25 million plus wide receiver market. So the lesser wide receiver who's available via trade, free agents, there are none left. I just don't see it happening. So you have to have an upgrade at that position. Do you really want to say, hey, that fifth-round wide receiver we got is going to be a steal, and he's going to step right in and play? You're Howie Roseman. You want to do that? No, but I could see them doing it second round. And I brought up that name, George Pickens, a couple times. Although it seems like Pickens might be rising up some boards uh, late in the process, too, because he's got such a high ceiling. Maybe teams are be willing. So if they might have to wait to 51, because the problem here, Jody, they have so many other needs. We, we stopped talking about the defense because we're still talking about wide receiver. And they got to rebuild that defense. So if it's Jordan Davis in a corner, for instance, is that a better allocation of assets than than yet another wide receiver? I don't know. You might have to try to cobble it together with somebody at 51, and that's that's more uncertainty. Probably better than what you have, but still more uncertainty. That's what we're counting down to. Six days away from day one of the NFL draft. Oh, and then the morning of day two of the NFL draft, rounds two and round three, where the Eagles have three more picks, will also be a lot of fun here. That's next Friday. we got to finish this Friday up, and we've got an hour, well, not quite even an hour left to play, uh, but a solid 40 minutes coming your way, which we will share with Zach Berman, outstanding Eagles beat reporter from The Athletic. He's scheduled to jump aboard next here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first time purchase of stateside vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Appreciate you streaming in with us here on Birds 365. You're back on that guy, McMullen and McDonald. Uh, when we punch guests up, we do so for varying reasons. The most important one being giving us a different, maybe even a better insight to the Philadelphia Eagles. In this case, we add uh, better tan lines to the show because certainly our next guest has got better color than either me or McMullen. Uh, Zach Berman of The Athletic, good enough to hop aboard with us here on Birds 365. How you be, ZB? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I, I see the, the beach in the background for you guys. So I, I don't know about <laughs> And it doesn't yeah, help. Neither yeah, me or McMullen have yeah, your tan. That's help. for damn sure. I, th- I think yeah. I just have the morning lighting here. That's all. Well, I'm thrilled uh, to be on. Uh, thrilled to have you as always, Zach. Let's start with your old cohort, your old buddy Jeff McLean, reporting about the big move, shifting J.J. Ortega-Whiteside from wide receiver to tight end. Yeah, I want to get your quick take on it, your first thoughts on it. Is this just a last-ditch last opportunity to save some something out of J.J. Ortega, Whiteside? Or do you think it's a legitimate opportunity because they need some help at tight end behind Dallas Goddard? I think a bit of both, frankly, John. Like, first off, his his chances of making the roster as a wide receiver – were were not particularly good. Yeah, I, I I understand he filled that that role decently as as the fourth fifth guy, but I imagine they're going to add to that position in the draft. They added Zach Pascal, so the numbers didn't help him there at tight end. There's there's legitimate opportunity, especially with Tyree Jackson. Um, he's 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 injured right now. You don't know what his week one status is going to be. I imagine the Eagles will add in the draft there, but. You know, beyond that, they have they have Jack Stoll, they have Richard Rodgers. It's 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 not like a distinguished cast beyond 
a Dallas Goddard. And then from a skill set perspective, it, it certainly fits the way Ortega Whiteside's career has been trending, right? I mean, he's he's a he's a good blocker. I think he's he's DC he's better in kind of the short intermediate game than he is um, getting open in in space. He can win contested catches. Uh, if if he adds muscle to his frame, he doesn't have the ideal height that you might look for in a tight end. But there have been productive tight ends who are, you know, 6'2", 6'3". So I, I actually like the move. I, I commend Ortega Whiteside uh, for his willingness to do it, as, 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 as Jeff wrote in the story. And J.J.'s problem ha- has never been effort or want to or desire, anything like that. It just hasn't translated in terms of production. So curious to see if, if this second act will work for him. I uh, know you were part of the conference call the other day. Um, the media session with Harry Roseman and Nick Sirianni. As both John and I have noted, Howie Roseman spoke enthusiastically, let's use that word, about the linebacker position for varying reasons. Now, neither John nor I believe they're going to take a linebacker with one of those two first-round picks because history tells us they won't. But maybe shortly thereafter, will there be a concentration to it? Do you think linebacker gets some play or do you really want to get radical and say, oh, no, the Eagles are going to take a linebacker in the first round, Joe? I don't believe they'll they'll take a linebacker in the first round. I I do think this is a strong class of day two linebackers. Uh, You heard Daniel Jeremiah say that yesterday. And I I in in these weeks leading up to the draft, that's that's something that's that's really stuck out to me that that you can find a productive linebacker on day two. Now they had, un- unless they, they trade back and accumulate picks, you know, they, 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 they don't have six, seven picks on those first three days. Right. So uh, there's going to be a position left out, whether it's defensive back defensive line. I think defensive line is going to be a priority in this draft. We all expect them to add a receiver. They need help in the secondary linebacker. They can find good value there at, at linebacker, like I said, but I, I don't think that's as much, of a pressing short-term need after signing Kaiser White, after signing Hassan Reddick, who's more of an edge rusher, but ostensibly can line up in that strong side spot. They have their starting two in White and TJ Edwards. Now, when you think about long-term needs, both of those guys are free agents after this year. So if someone like Christian Harris or Chad Muma, uh, one of the Georgia guys, if if they're there at 51 or they're there with, with if, if there's a good linebacker, in the third round, I could see the Eagles going that route, but I'd be really surprised if they did it in round one. Uh, well, let's talk about the offseason as a whole, Zach. And I want to get your sort of temperature. Go back, not necessarily at the beginning of free agency, but go back a couple weeks, three weeks, or a month. Do you feel more certain about where the Eagles are going in the draft or less certain? Uh, then as we get closer, as we could, because you mentioned all the needs. I mean, you can look at it both ways. Glass half full, you have so many needs. You can be comfortable taking the best player available. Uh, There's not as much as a risk to reach for a particular position. Is there more uncertainty for you as we get closer? Because I kind of feel that way. There's there's more uncertainty, John. I, I I would I would agree with you there for a few reasons. First off, I thought they'd have more activity in the secondary and free agency. Uh, they look for 
for whatever reason, whether it was the price that they set, whether it was the way the market went, they haven't added a safety. They lost Roddy McLeod. They kept Anthony Harris. They haven't added a corner, right? They, they lost Steve Nelson. Uh, and I thought going into the offseason, that was going to be their, their focus outside of the pass rush. And it hasn't happened. So you kind of box yourself in there. But I, 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 I don't think they'll force either of, the, of those positions. Um, and they could still add after the draft, but there is uncertainty. The other piece of un- uncertainty, I would say, is David Ajabo's injury because when you were looking at this draft, say, at the combine, you you really saw strength in numbers for edge rushers uh, mm-hmm. in the teens, and you've seen some of those edge rushers be pushed up the board, if you will, whether it was Trayvon Walker, Jermaine Johnson. I don't know if any of those guys would have been there at 15 anyways, but they tested really well. And then you don't have a Jabo in the first round likely anymore after the torn Achilles. I would have put uh, heavy money on them drafting an edge rusher in the first round if I was on your show in February. Now I'm not so sure. And it really depends where the square, where the value is when they're drafting. Uh, but the best available thing that 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 makes sense to me, and it's I I, I know fans want to plug needs, but it's like Joe Douglas used to say, quoting Ozzy Newsom, that you know today's luxury is tomorrow's necessity, and I, I think you'll you'll see that in the draft. The Eagles don't have enough positions where you say this is going to be our starter in 2023 or 2024 that they should take best available because that guy's likely going to be a, a front end player in a few years. All right, I'm going to narrow focus a question for you. Might not be fair, so get ready for it ahead of time. <laughs> um, the Eagles' history is that they like taking quarterbacks. Shoot, they said they're the quarterback factory. But history also tells us if they wait till day three, they haven't found that nugget, that, un, that, that Tom Brady-like player who drops down and then gets into Eagle Green and has a significant run it's either day one or day two. And if we all agree that they're not taking day one, we're talking about day two here. If the Eagles are going to take a quarterback, they've got three picks, one in the second round, two in the third on day two. Who do you think's available? Who do you think would fit them? Whose name do you think they could call in either the second or the third round? It would surprise me, Jody, if, if they went that route. I mean, to answer the question succinctly, you're looking at say Sam Howell, Carson Strong uh, as as some of those those day two quarterbacks. I, I think Desmond Ritter goes day one, so I, I wouldn't put him in that category. Uh, but it, it, it would surprise me if they went that route. The quarterback factory line, Howie Roseman regrets saying that, uh, but but the reality there is that at the time they they they, they had a a quarterback who was making over twenty million dollars a year and had had an injury history and they wanted an inexpensive backup quarterback and that's what that's how they saw Jalen Hurts they they rationalized it and tried to explain it by using the quarterback factory line but the reality is they thought they were going to have a cost-controlled backup quarterback and we all saw how how that turned out I don't think they're going to be pushing quarterback every year Uh, I think that what they're going to do is they're going to try to build the roster and that they will be in position to strike if they need a quarterback next season. Um, I, I, you know, they, they, they have one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league right now in Gardner Minshew. Now, if someone's willing to trade for Minshew, then I would say the Eagles could be in that backup quarterback market. 
but it would surprise me if they went one day two unless the value was so strong for someone like Carson Strong. Uh, value is an interesting word, Zach, always with Howie Roseman. And I think he got as close. He's very savvy, as you know. You've been around Howie for a long time. Uh, when the microphone is on, he's not going to give you a lot, certainly. But he was pretty honest about the wide receiver position. And we know the Eagles went after Christian Kirk, and it just got too expensive. And, um, you know, they asked about trading for Calvin Ridley. We all know what happened there. Allen Robinson wanted to go play for the Super Bowl champions, which is understandable. Um, Robert Woods, for whatever reason, wanted to go to Nashville. Um, so there's this sort of narrative that maybe some receivers don't want to come to Philadelphia because of the offense or the quarterback, the Eagles push back on that, as you know. Um, and then the explosion of the, the, the salaries with Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill, et cetera. Um, how we came as close to saying, we don't want to get in that range when it comes to that, those exploding salaries. Do you agree with that? First of all, do you think Howie was saying that and, and do you agree with it? Because there's a lot of potential options on the trade market, starting with Debo Samuel. But if you want to get in that realm of a player, you're talking 20 million plus dollars. Yeah, that's a good question because I, I do think they would pay that that type of money for the right player, uh, but I don't think they're as, as desperate for that player as maybe the fan base wants them to be, right? That, and I, I mean, you hit it on the head. They were interested in Kirk. They were interested in Robinson. They were interested in Calvin Ridley. Uh, so they are interested in upgrading at the position, but it's it's – this is not like a, a 2017 offseason for the Eagles where they went into it saying we need to rebuild the wide receiving core. They truly believe that Devontae Smith's going to be a number one receiver for them, is a number one receiver for them, and they view Dallas Goddard like a, a number one type receiver in this offense. Um, now, th they were a run-based offense last year, and if you're a, a wide receiver uh, signing, uh, let's say, a one-year show-me deal, you're probably not going to come to a place with with an uh, not a strong quarterback situation, and and by the way, in in 2017, one of the reasons Alshon Jeffrey signed here was because he viewed it as a chance to rebuild his value in an offense that threw an awful lot with Carson Wentz. But most of the time, money talks, and and uh, you know those considerations only happen if it's a one year deal or or if the money's equal. And, and, and so that's a, a long way of saying that I do think the Eagles want to add a wide receiver. I don't think they'd be uh, unwilling to pay, say, A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf, that type of money. But I don't think they're saying, just give me any receiver and we'll pay him. All right, uh, ZB, the best laid plans of coaches and owners and general managers sometimes need to be tinkered with on the way. That's exactly what happened with this year's Philadelphia Eagles. They were planning on throwing it a heck of a lot more in the second half last year than they did, but they made the adjustment and it worked for them. They went to a heavy-based run offense, and they ended up making the playoffs. This year, even assuming they're going to try and get back to throwing the ball more, somebody's going to have to run the football. What's the Eagles running back room going to look like? 
And how much will they use the running backs? Miles number one, who's number two, is Gainwell advancing. How do you think the running game plays out this year in Philly? Yeah, I see Miles Sanders number one. I think I think Gainwell, Boston Scott are in that mix for the number two spot. And I think they're going to draft a running back day three this year who will be part of that mix. And I I think that's where you'll find strength in this running back class is, you know, say the fourth round, fifth round. So that's what it's going to be. And, and they are going to run the ball. They they want to pass the ball more. Uh, that's that's the best way to win in the, in the league. But I think in there, they're honest about who their quarterback is. And Jalen Hurts, uh, he, he needs to improve as a passer, but he's such a threat in the running game too. And they're, they're, they'll keep doing what it takes to win games on Sundays. Uh, Miles is maybe the most interesting player for me coming into this season, Zach, because it's a contract year for him um, at a position that not only the Eagles, but obviously the rest of the league doesn't value all that much. Not a lot of, of, of second contracts work out for running backs in this league because of the wear and tear of the position. Um, so is there a path to a second contract for Miles? Because I, I, I frame it like this. If he finally stays healthy uh, and he has the kind of season – um, maybe we all thought he could with the talent he has. So 13, 1400 yards rusher, then he's going to get a lot of money. Do the Eagles even want to pay uh, a running back with the wear and tear of four years, that second running back contract, or does that a position you think they just want to turn over get as much out of miles he can in four years. In other words, can he earn, a second contract with the Philadelphia Eagles. I think he can earn a second contract that the team likes. I don't know if he'll earn a second contract that he likes. And because that's that's just I I don't think they're going to pay big money at, at at that position, especially I mean not to get ahead of myself here, but next year's draft class is looking to be really strong at the running back position. Uh so they can do a similar thing to what they did in in 2019 where they drafted Miles in the second round and expected him to step in and, and play immediately. Um, they can do that next year, and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the path they took. And it's it's nothing against Miles Sanders, but even if he has a big year, are you going to dedicate that type of, of of contract to someone who has 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 been you know kind of banged up uh, a bit in the first three years? I, I I think Miles has a lot of talent in his body. I, th- I I think he's someone they 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 truly like, but I don't think they're going to invest that type of money in the position unless you're talking about a Jonathan Taylor type running back. And I don't know if Miles Sanders is at that point. All right, two part question for you, Zach. Um, when the Eagles report for camp this summer, percentage chance Andre Dillard is still on the roster at that time. And why do you think that'll be the case? I would say 50, 50, uh, you know, I, I, I'm thinking if I should hedge in a, in a certain direction, if I was Howie, if I were Howie, I would trade Andre Doerr this week. I think that when you see what some of the left tackles have, have, have been paid in free agency, if I'm a team that's in the left tackle market, uh, I'd be interested in, in Dillard for a year. Right. And if he's, if he's, if he, I, I wouldn't pick up the fifth year option. And if he's good, uh, I would extend him or tag him. And if he's not good, then I, w- I would let him go. Now, 
I think there are going to be some teams that see how how the draft falls. But if if you're on on well, if you're on day two, let's say, and you didn't land a, a left tackle day one, I would trade for Andre Dillard. I I mean, we we really haven't seen him be a consistent starter in this league. Uh, so why am I saying 50-50 there? Because Howie values depth on the offensive line, and the Eagles really don't have a backup left tackle. They have Jack Driscoll can play on the right side. Um, they have a handful of interior guys, but you know, um, Brett Toth is coming off injury. Unless you let Brett Toth, uh, unless you like Brett Toth there, and I, I know they could draft a backup left tackle this week. I, I wouldn't put it past them there, uh, but. Uh, the reason for keeping Dillard is insurance. If Jordan Mailata goes down, I don't think that's enough reason for keeping him. I would trade him while he still has value. Um, Zach, you snuck in a question at the end of the press guy. I believe it was you. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. But you talked about the um, the opening of offseason work, and I applaud you for getting that in because I forgot to ask that myself. Uh, could have started April 18th, which was Monday of this week. We'll start April 25th, which is uh, Monday of next week. Um, the Eagles are also one of two teams, along with the Cincinnati Bengals, not having a mandatory minicamp. Now, how we kind of shifted this off uh, uh, to Nick Sirianni, I, I get the feeling this is not a Nick Sirianni decision at all. This is an organizational decision, more probably an Arsh Denota decision. Um, and the Eagles had some better injury luck when they went this way. Pandemic aside, a lot of things had to be shifted uh, during the pandemic era, so to speak. But I've yet to meet the football coach that doesn't want to practice. Yes, I've yet exactly. to meet that person, Zach. So, and I don't want to overstate this, but... Do you think Nick Sirianni is happy taking a backseat to these types of decisions? Do you think he is taking a backseat to these types of decisions? It's a fascinating question. It's it's one I've I've tried to examine here, uh, and yeah, I, I mean from from what I've heard, Nick was a big part of this. That uh, obviously we 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 saw what happened last year, and it was affected by COVID, of course, the offseason program, and Nick negotiated with the team. That where they didn't have the mandatory camp, they they didn't have eleven on eleven or seven on seven, but they would come to the building, you know, for a period of time during the off season. And from what I gathered, he he liked how that went. Now, as as far as as the wearing, you know, they, they say it's it's with the health and the wellness of the players in mind. Maybe so. I, I mean, I don't think a few extra OTAs, even if you go light in May is going to keep you healthy in October. Uh, but I do think it will go over well with the players, right? I, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, I've, I, and I, I know you and I both have, have, uh, have been on the sidelines in a, a lot of OTAs in, in May and June. And you say, is, is this really going to make them win in October? Right. Um, and I mean, the best way I can explain it to you too, is Nick Foles. When, when, when Nick Foles came back here, in, in 2017, he didn't really participate in the offseason program. He was he was out 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 west. His wife was having a baby, and uh, you know he he was fine that year, right? So uh, that's a, a roundabout way of saying that 
it did surprise me because not just the late report date, but having fewer practices than permitted. But if they think it works and, you know, it's certainly going to go over well with his players. And I, I think the one thing to Sirianni's credit is that he's very in tune with, with what the players want, with what the players think. I agree. I've never met a football coach who doesn't want to practice, but for that whole streak last year, when, when they were rolling, they, they, they barely practiced, right? They barely had an intense practice. Exactly. And I used to joke with Doug Peterson sometimes that his, his teams were better when they prepared less, right? You know, when they, when they had short weeks or, 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 or when they did walkthroughs. So maybe there's something to that as well. All right, Zach, last one for me. I'm crossing my fingers a little bit here. Uh, again, you guys were both part of the media session with Howie and, uh, the coach uh, earlier this week, and he did kind of expand on linebackers and the importance of linebackers and the value of the linebackers. He minimized the importance of safety, or at least he did in my eyes, because he said, we're good there. Marcus has been a fine player for us, and we've got Kayvon Wallace. Shoot, he even went to Andre Saturay to cover the safety position for the Eagles, which I'm not sure the Eagles want to go there. Could that have been a misdirection? This is the season of misinformation that you're putting out one narrative because you actually are thinking or hoping to do something else. Would the Eagles be willing to trade up to get Kyle Hamilton? If he falls down to 15 and they don't take him, oh, Howie Roseman's going to get crushed on Birds 365 next Friday here on uh, this channel. I can guarantee you because both McMullen and I are a huge fan of his. If they have to move up a couple of slots, similar deal to the one they did last year, going from like 15 to 13 or 12, do you think there's any chance they move up to get easily the best safety in the draft? So a, f- a, f- a few things there, and I, I like this question. Uh, that that was misdirection from Howie, yes. If if they I, – I believe that they like Marcus Epps and Kayvon Wallace, let's say, more than maybe the general public does – if they weren't looking to upgrade at safety, they wouldn't have gone hard after Marcus Williams, which they did, mm-hmm. right? You know, they <laughs> they see the same thing that you and I see. Now, I, I, I think they're going to address the position. I think they, they know it, and I, I don't think they wanted to seem desperate to do so. As far as Kyle Hamilton, that comes down to the evaluation of it. I'm in the same camp as you. I think he's he's a blue-chip player. They, they need blue-chip players. If, if he's there at 10, I would be be working whatever deal you prearranged with Joe Douglas to, to move up to get him and jump Washington, right? That's that's the way I I, I would think about it. Now, there's a school of thought uh, from a lot of smart people that you shouldn't trade up in the draft for a non-premium position, and that um, that you shouldn't trade up in the draft for uh, a safety who runs, let's say, a four, you know, what, a, f- a four, five, six at, at, at the combine, a four, four five, nine, his, but then, yeah, 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 four, yeah, seven. Four, yeah, yeah, four, seven at his pro day. I'm not worried about the testing. I mean, if, if you watch Kyle Hamilton for three years at Notre Dame, that's, that's all you need to see. If, if, if you took out anything that happened after the draft and just, and, and just went by the way he played on Saturdays, you can make an argument. He's the best player in the draft. Um, so I, I, I would, and if he's in that tier, I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way, knowing the way the Eagles think they, they have tiers on their board. It's, it's not like it's, it's, it's ranked one to 300 or whatever, right? They have tiers and they have tiers of players. They're, they're willing to trade up for. If there's a crowd of players, when they're drafting, they'll trade down a bit because they feel like they can still get a player in that tier. 
if Kyle Hamilton's the last guy left in their tier, they'll 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 trade up to get him. Um, but if they have Kyle Hamilton in the same group as let's say you know five or six players, I don't think they'll move up to get him because they'll feel comfortable with the player they'll they'll get when they're on the board. That's that's kind of the best way I can put it. All right, at Z Berm, follow him on Twitter, Zach Berman, uh, theathletic.com. Read them there. I believe they're having their dollar sale. So this is the time to subscribe to The Athletic. Read Zach, our friend Bo Wolf as well, Shield Kapadia. And then it's Mother's Day, Father's Day coming up. I always like to say Get Underdogs, one of the best uh, books ever written on the Eagles, in my opinion, Zach Berman. So for the Eagles fan in your life, last one from me, Zach, we're talking about trade-ups. Is there a group of players, one or two players, how many players would you target and say, this kid, the Eagles will trade up. They'll do what Jody just described. They'll go up a couple spots, three, four spots. Is it just Kyle Hamilton? Do you have other names in mind that they might target and they would be willing to go up for? For me personally, if if I were in Howie's shoes, um, and I I try to I try to put myself in his head sometimes, it can, it can be harder times than others. <laughs> there are three players that I would really I identify there as trade up targets if if they're there in that ten range, and that is uh, Derek Stingley, Kayvon Thibodeau. And and Kyle Hamilton, and then you could potentially say Jermaine Johnson, uh, but but to me, I look at Stingley, Thibodeau, and and Hamilton as players who kind of the the draft process has moved them down the board. No, Not Jordan the, Davis, little surprise. Well, the I th- unicorn of Jordan Davis. Look, Jordan Davis is the player who I think they're they're most likely to get at fifteen. I don't think they're they're gonna. I don't know if if, if they need the trade up to get him. I'm curious. I mean, maybe that's a trade up to, to let's say, you know, 12 or 13. Right. Um, but, uh, I, I think he's in play at 15. I, 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 I do. And, you know, you can say potentially Baltimore, you can say potentially Minnesota, but I, I think Jordan Davis at 15, if I was doing my mock draft right now, I would say they'll take him there. I, I think in terms of the, the top tier players, Stingley, Thibodeau, and Hamilton would have been top five picks probably if the draft was held in November, right? Uh, yeah. So I think that if if someone's falling down the board because of what, cryptocurrency or whatever it may be, <laughs> take that guy because uh, sometimes you can overthink these things and then, and then you're the ones uh, left reaping the benefits. When is the last Zach Berman mock? I believe it's coming out on Thursday morning. Thursday then, morning. Yeah, then, check that out on the, yeah. on the Athletic. Yeah. Yep. Then you must subscribe before Thursday to find yeah. out exactly who Jack has going to the Eagles. ZB, we appreciate you hopping on board with us today. Thank you much. We'll talk to you after the draft. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. That Thanks, is Zach, Zach Berman of the Athletic here with us on Birds 365. All right, final time out. We'll come back. There's one non-Birds topic I do want to get in with uh, my buddy John McMullen. We have lost the Mad Bomber. Some of you understand the point I'm making. Others will explain when we come back here on Birds 365. 
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. But I did want to mention this before we exit stage left. I read it this morning, didn't know it was the case. Um, for you millennial Eagle fans, we know you're YouTubers because you're watching us here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. So you might have to do a little homework, a little research. Uh, but believe me, there'll be enough there on YouTube for you to find. Uh, Daryl LaMonica, former quarterback of the Oakland Raiders, passed away yesterday at the age of 80. His nickname was the Mad Bomber for good reason. Um, Before there were ever such a thing as a vertical passing game, they used to just say, throw the ball downfield, throw the bomb. (laughs) Daryl LaMonica did it more often and better than any quarterback in the National Football League starting in the late 60s into the early 70s, which is my wheelhouse. When I was a kid growing up, watching the NFL every Sunday afternoon, both games, they didn't have Monday night games and Sunday night games and Thursday night games. You got one game at 1 o'clock and you got one game at 4 o'clock. And the Oakland Raiders were on 4 o'clock on the AFC game Often, yeah. so you got to see him a lot. So you got to see Daryl LaMonica throwing the bombs to Warren Wells, uh, Freddie Bolitnikoff. Freddie wasn't this big and over the top guy, he was more of a possession receiver and one of the greatest possession receivers in the history of the game. Cliff Branch, 
man, Daryl LaMonica could air it out. He merited the nickname Mad Bomber when he got to the Raiders. The Bills drafted him and never really used him for a couple of years. The Raiders traded for him, and he became their starting quarterback and had a lot of success, both as a starter in the regular season and in the postseason. Um, I'm of a certain age. Yes, I remember Daryl LaMonica, who passed at the age of 80 today. God damn, Johnny Mac, I'm getting old. That I remember yeah. Daryl LaMonica. 80's not a bad year. We've lost some uh, individuals over the last weeks, months, no. years. Yeah. LaMonica at 80 is not bad, but damn, I used to love to watch him throw the football. Yeah, and he, he, uh, he won so many games. Now, that was a legendary Raiders team. They had a run, and it was interesting. You know, you bring back Buffalo. He got drafted. He I was laugh. I think it was he, he was an AFL guy, so he got drafted like the 24th round or something. Uh they had so many rounds in the draft, but he he was behind Jack Kemp, who's a you know famous became a famous politician for those who remember. Same and uh he was more of a running quarterback. They would use him, you know, way back then. People talk about how the game has changed. They would use him as a running quarterback. And then he gets traded to Oakland and just starts chucking the ball all over the place. And I think I think I have to check this, but to this day, I think he has the highest winning percentage in history. Uh he won so many. I mean, that team was great for an extended period of time. And, you know, over 70 starts or so, 50, 60, somewhere. Um, he won a lot of games, and that was a very good Raiders team. And then he got replaced by Kenny Stabler, uh, who ultimately got the Raiders, finally got the Raiders over the hump. Um, ultimately, took way too long for Kenny Stabler to get in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but he finally did. And people just look at stats and they, you know, this is one of my criticisms. I talk about with Damo all the time with the younger generation. They look at somebody like Kenny Stabler said, well, he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. And Daryl LaMonica is not that type of player, but he won so many football games. I'm trying to look it up. 62. Um, Daryl LaMonica's record is a starting quarterback. Yeah. 62. 16 and six. Yeah. Yeah. They used to have a whole bunch of ties back then in the day. Uh, there was no such thing as 62, overtime. Say it again. 62, 62 16, 16 and six. And six. Yeah. So that, uh, you know, that to I believe that is the highest winning percentage uh, in the modern era. They call it the Super Bowl era. Um, I think it's still the record. Yeah. Uh, that is. That's about 80%. Uh, you, you like your team winning four out of every five games? That That's, you know, he doesn't get the credit he deserves. And you mentioned his nickname, the Mad Bomber, because he could throw he could throw the deep ball. Love the guy. Wasn't a Raider fan growing up, but you got to watch something at 4 o'clock every single week after the 1 o'clock games are over and done with. And the old rivalry between the Raiders and the Chiefs, the Raiders and the Chargers, the Raiders and the Broncos, uh, the same teams basically uh, been doing battle in that division for a long period of time. Used to be the AFL. Now it's become the AFC West. Some of the greatest rivalries and some of the greatest games 
Daryl and Monica, the Mad Bomber, was just a must-see every week at 4 o'clock back in the day. All right, enough of talking back in the day. You and I will be back next week. It's draft week, partner. You ready for some draft? Draft week. Uh, it's finally here. I'm I'm afraid, but I'm excited. Oh, one the- last thing. And, uh, again, we had two good guests today. Thank John Stolnes and Zach Berman for both hopping on. Shame on me. You're getting on a luxury bus? What's the deal with you in the luxury bus? I am not getting on it. Nobody invites me to these things. I am not getting on a luxury bus unless it's going down to the Novacare complex. But some of our listeners can get on a luxury bus or a live show at the Ocean Casino Resort in Atlantic City. Which you will not be in attendance for, but I can guarantee you right now you will be part of. They'll get you involved somehow. Oh, about. yeah, I'll be a part of it. I'll be checking in from South Philadelphia. From South Philadelphia, understood. Uh, more details again uh, coming up later in the day here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Early next week, leading up to next Thursday night down at Oceans. Uh, please keep it right here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Partner, I'll be here on Monday. Will you? I will be here. Draft day. Get ready. Get excited. In two days, that is. See you on Monday. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.